is up Waterloo. Welcome to Watts Sustainable, the official podcast of the University of Waterloo's Sustainability Office. My name is Jenna and I am the host of this episode. This is season two, episode seven. We will be having another guest on our podcast to talk about what is sustainable transportation. Today we have Kevin Marshall and Matt Tyson on the podcast. Kevin works at the region of Waterloo, and part of his role there is managing the TravelWise program, and Matt is the manager at the Sustainability Office at the University of Waterloo. In this conversation, we talk about all the things related to sustainable transportation in Waterloo and in the broader community. We talk about the benefits of sustainable transportation, the variety of sustainable transportation options that exist, and what individuals can do to incorporate sustainable transportation options into their daily lives. As always, make sure to subscribe to our podcast, follow us on social media at UW Sustainable on Twitter and Instagram to stay in the know of all the sustainability content that we share. And if you have any questions, ideas for future podcast episodes or guests, you can email us at sustainability at uwaterloo.ca. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I enjoyed it, and let's get right into it. Today, I have two individuals with me that I'm really excited to have a conversation with about sustainable transportation. I have Kevin Marshall and Matt Tyson. So why don't you two give a little bit of an introduction about yourself? Thanks, Jenna. Uh, I'm Kevin Marshall. I'm with the Region of Waterloo. I'm housing our transit services group, so Grand River Transit. Uh, is is a department of the region. Uh, I'm part of our transportation demand management team and our transit integration. Uh, I'm also the uh, project lead for the region's TravelWise Transportation Management Association program, which uh, is our workplace program with a number of participating workplaces throughout the community. Awesome. And uh, I'm Matt. I'm the director of sustainability for the campus. And so uh, all of the sustainability uh, teams activities kind of are under my portfolio and we work really collaboratively with lots of different units across campus on uh, almost all of our sustainability initiatives. So this will be my uh, first first time joining the podcast officially, but I've listened along and I'm, I'm happy to be here today. Great, thank you both so much. Kevin, I would love to know a little bit more about your work with TravelWise and Grand River Transit, first of all. What inspired you to uh, to start TravelWise and what was the need that you saw it for and how did the university sort of get intertwined into that? Well, that's a really great question. So so TravelWise is, is actually a, a program that has its roots uh, before my time, but has been something that the region has been committed to and uh, since this is actually the early 2000s uh, with the idea of of trying to help people move more sustainably throughout the region, try to maximize use of our, our public transit system as well as our growing active transportation network, especially in those early days. Um, but what we also saw was the need in the community for um, workplaces looking for something to help um, support their employees to choose uh, sustainable transportation or make that a more easier choice for them to do in their day to day. So the region uh, set up a pilot program and oh, I'm going to get the dates wrong. I'm going to say the early 2010s uh, to, to look at that program, but that had been kind of underway for some time 
uh, a lot, uh, stars were aligning with different employers about trying to do something like that. It came out of some commuter challenge work where it was more kind of uh, encouraging through uh, competition and whatnot to, to encourage people to try different ways of getting to and from work and then became something a little bit more formalized. Uh, and then finally, we set, were able to set uh, a funding program as well as membership fees for participating workplaces to get it access to some core services. Um, so the the program itself uh, either has come come to maturity, I would say, where we've seen organizations, big and small, participating for a variety of reasons, ranging from just simply trying to offer their employees some um, some sustainable transportation uh, benefits. I'm using quotations here, but the idea of more supports that make it easier for them to get. Uh, to and from the office using transit and incentivize them to take transit, for example, um, or to know that in the case that if they bike to work, that they could get home in the case of a, a sick kid that they had to pick up from home using our emergency ride home reimbursement service. Uh, when it comes to working with the universities, we've been very fortunate. Uh, the post-secondary uh, institutions here have a an excellent track record of wanting to work very closely with the region on a variety of initiatives and especially those around sustainable transportation. Um, so, uh, you know, we've we've seen uh, our partnership with the university basically strengthen over years over the years. Um, but the motivations, I think, are are many. And I would probably actually defer to Matt to, to kind of touch on his thoughts on, on why there's continued interest and and why they've been such an excellent partner. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. And, and full disclosure, before joining the uh, university, I was I was the program manager that actually helped launch the, the TravelWise program through Sustainable Waterloo Region uh, in partnership with the region at the time. So yeah, it's uh, you're, you're bang on on the early description. And I think it's certainly come a long way uh, now under uh, Katie's leadership, um, bringing that again, more employers on board and, and seeing it grow. And I think uh, absolutely, the services that are offered through the program are are really um, kind of the backbone of it, and I think bring uh, a ton of value to both the employer and the employees um, at the organizations who are participating. Um, I also think that uh, what's what's exciting to me about the program is um, the service model, but also the kind of connection with uh, the community, the resource sharing amongst other peer organizations, um, and recognizing the role that uh, employers or workplaces actually play in shaping commuter habits. So, you know, it's not just up to the city or the region to decide how people get to and from work or up to the employee themselves, but the policies and programs that take place at a an individual employer can can also have an influence. And so part of our, you know, sustainability plan uh, touches on providing supports for both employees and students to get to campus uh, more sustainably. And so uh, you know, some examples of that can be having secure bike parking, and that's a project that we've been expanding on. Um, we uh, work with parking services has launched a program that you can um, in normal times, not during COVID because it's it's kind of wonky right now, but you can suspend your parking permit in the summertime if you, if you want to bike or, or walk when the weather's really nice and, and you'll still be guaranteed your parking spot in the winter in, in uh, worse conditions. So just making sure that there's that employer side supportive environment and the travel wise um, Kind of scorecard system and and the way that it's in incentivized at the employer level uh, encourages businesses to to take on some of those policies and and really create a supportive environment to help their employees get uh, to and from the campus in our case so i'm i'm really uh 
again, pleased to see that the region uh, is really supportive of this and continuing to, to move it forward. And who knows what it'll be like um, come fall when, when things are continuing to ramp up here on campus. Great, thank you both so much. You both touched a little bit on the benefits of the program specifically for individuals in our community. And you also both touched a bit on the importance for such programs for sustainability. But I would love to know more from a sustainability perspective, what are some of the benefits that both public and active transportation, which are both considered more sustainable alternatives to transportation, uh, what sort of benefits do these provide in comparison to something like single passenger vehicles? Yeah, uh, that's, that's a really great question. I, I think that's a the easiest way to kind of describe it is is it goes back to to my transportation demand management role, which you know I, I'm not considered the you know the GH the greenhouse gas or emissions expert by any means, but you know even just simply from from the the broadest or or widest definition of of that sort of job is to look at trying to maximize space on the roadways. So even if you just look at space, don't think about anything else. There's only a car takes up so much space with a single occupant in it, uh, that takes up that X amount of space. Our road simply can't handle it if everybody treats, uh, treats their to and from commute or to and from the office, to and from school, what have you, uh, in, a, in a single vehicle driving only themselves. The minute we start to explore options such as, uh, well, in particular using bus or our light rail transit system, that footprint of the vehicle might be slightly larger, but the amount of occupants that can be in that vehicle are so much higher that you're using up so much less of the road space. You're using up so much less land dedicated for parking at the end of the day, which can be freed up for uh, new and exciting uh, animated spaces or development or opportunity for people to live or work. Um, and then, of course, the greenhouse gas savings. Each one of those cars driving a single person is 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 using uh, is releasing emissions, whereas a single vehicle, a single uh, transit vehicle, particularly the LRT, where we have uh, running on uh, on electric power, uh, you know, there's there's major savings from an emissions piece there too. Um, and then, of course, for our our active transportation network, a lot of those same things hold true. Uh, whether you're walking or biking, your footprint is so much sm smaller, both physically and then also from an emissions perspective as well too so whether and then ultimately in most cases what we're seeing at the university for example where we're trying to provide more secure bike parking or other supports on campus it might actually be much more convenient for you to get to and from your office as well too not only was so whether you're doing it for the um for the the, the greenhouse gas reduction benefit for your own personal ecological footprint, or rather you're just looking for a more convenient way and, and to get an exercise and also potentially get closer to your end destination than you would buy a car. There's a, a number of reasons why this can actually work in your favor. Yeah, I'll add in there two other perspectives. Um, and there's, there's so many actual ancillary benefits of this that you could probably have a, a laundry list, but two that always come to mind that you know, when we talk with employees or students are, are uh, the health benefits too. And, and this is, um, you know, in almost all modes of non-driving travel, you're, you're tend to be tending to be more physically active. So whether you're walking, cycling, taking transit, it usually involves some higher level of physical activity, which is, um, of course, comes along with so many health benefits to the individual and then to the community. Um, as well on the emissions side, not just carbon emissions, but also air, like air quality from, from a perspective, a local perspective is, um, you know, the more, the fewer cars that you have, uh, 
the, the better the air quality in the community around you. So that's another health related impact that I think is really uh, important to consider. And, and the last one that I'll touch on, and it's connecting to the space piece, but I think just the community vibrancy is something that I find is sometimes missed. We, we tend to focus on, you know, the, the space, the money or the environmental benefits, but there's something about the connect connectivity that you have with the community when you move through something in a car versus when you experience it on a bike or on transit or something. I think it just builds a very different type of uh, of community. Uh, and I say that in the, the broadest sense of the word, you're you're connecting with people, you're you're moving within something rather than, uh, you know, an endpoint in a in a and a start point and there's kind of a bubble in between that uh, where you're not really experiencing anything else. So I think it's it's a, a really good community benefit in so many ways also. Yeah, that, that's a really good point, Matt. I, I think there's a level of intimacy you get with your, your campus, for example, by exploring it on foot or by bike, uh, you know, reaching there through using the Laurel Trail or one of our other great high quality trails. Um, you know, you're you have an opportunity to potentially be off-road and coming in and, and seeing your campus, seeing your your workplace, uh, seeing the surrounding community from a different angle than you wouldn't otherwise see from your you may not otherwise see from your vehicle or, or experience in quite the same way. Yeah, and that actually reminded me of well something that happens currently in terms of building community. There's I go on walks every morning because that's one of my favorite ways to move, and I always pass this one person on a bike almost every day and we have been doing this for months now and we say hi to each other and that's not something that you would get if you were driving by somebody on the road so having the trails really provides that opportunity for people to connect in that way and connect with their community and i'm really glad kevin that you brought up that convenience piece because especially for students let's say if you have a class that ends at 9 30 p.m the last thing you want to be doing is driving home so for myself even when the bus could pick me up right outside of my lecture hall and take me almost to the front steps of my student apartment it just made the whole experience so much better and easier so i'm glad you brought that up i would just add the uh you know the, the same thing holds true to transit in some degree too i you know um on my in my regular uh commute when i take transit you start to see the the same folks every morning and and you know it, the benefit of transit is you can kind of be in your own world if you want to but uh you know when you're doing that day in and day out for for days on end you do develop a, a sense of camaraderie with the same people doing the same uh a travel pattern as you too so yeah it is it does definitely make you feel uh like you're connecting with with your fellow uh, fellow members of the community, for sure. Yeah, definitely. For myself, I've only actually been in Waterloo Region since I started university, so back in 2017. But even since then, I've seen the the sustainable transportation scene evolve significantly, such as the creation of bike lanes and other things like that. I would love to know, both uh, within the region and on campus, how has sustainable transportation evolved over the years, and what are the goals for the future? Oh, wow. I I, if I had to summarize it, I would say I'm encouraged that we're on we're we're on the the the, the peak here where we're going to see kind of the spark happen where where this really does become the easy choice for so many people. I think one thing I could touch a lot about the transit piece in a moment, but I, I did want to talk about the active transportation network for a second. So uh, I started with the region in 2012, um, and 
over the years, I, I've seen the network grow and I've seen the network start to fill in as well, too. Both that the cities have done significant investments and the region has done has significant investments on our, our trails and bike uh, bike lanes and, and even just sidewalks uh, in our community, too, to try to better connect uh, key destinations and, and where people want to go. And we've got to the point where a lot of that, especially the, the filling in the network, has occurred to the point where... You can get to many destinations, even if you're in the sub, uh, in a more suburban area, almost completely in uh, higher quality active transportation uh, corridors, whether that's on a, on a multi-use trail or uh, a bike lane or a bike lane with some protection. Um, but when it really came home to me was we actually had, uh, there's a, a, a arm's length provincial tourism group called Ontario by Bike. And they reached out to us um, to plan ride uh, in Waterloo Region. And the almost the entire corridor that they had for Waterloo Region was on either a multi-use trail or, or a high-quality bike lane. And they were able to get from Woolwich, from our townships, uh, into our community and, and beyond, uh, and back into Guelph, actually, on some very high-quality routes. And the one thing that they, I, I got to go on that ride with them, and uh, the one comment that I, I was so pleasantly surprised to hear was, you know, some of the best experience for them was coming from the dramatic change from being in, in the rural township and, and being on these quiet, bike-friendly roadways, and then suddenly, like, a switch goes off, there's a light rail transit line next to them and they're and they're on a high quality paved trail where they're biking along next to it and then suddenly they're passing uh through uh, through the university of waterloo campus and the next thing they know they're in our uptown core and uh you know this was a group of not just you know seasoned cyclists but people from all ages and abilities and they all had the same opinion that you know that we were doing something different than others and and we had come along uh uh Surprise! We surprise them, but we pleasantly surprise them. And I think, I think that's something where we're getting to that point where we need to really showcase the community and show what we have available now too. And I think that's a great time to be part of the a part of this. Yeah, I think the uh, it's been exciting to watch that develop. And I know uh, if we look at the the future focus, of course, the the regional planning and the city planning. There's there's a ton of work that is still on the on the books and on the on the forecast to be done so i know that it's it's nowhere near complete but i agree it's been it's been great to watch um you know both expansion and infill of a lot of these facilities um transportation uh, or active transportation wide as wise as well as public transportation i just look around the university protected bike lanes going up along the side of uh, a couple of the major arterial roads there um as kevin mentioned some really great trails that that service and, and kind of feed into the, the campus environment um and I think the other thing too, like I also look back and I was a student at the University of Waterloo. I started in 2006. Uh, and back then we didn't have the UPASS. We didn't have, uh, ION had uh, the first, or not ION, sorry, iExpress had first, had just launched. Uh, it didn't actually, uh, you know, it was one route, the main corridor at that time. And so just thinking on a, on a decade and a half, the transit network is just uh, leaps and bounds ahead of where it was back then. And so that's that's certainly something to celebrate. And I think that's the, the value for the, the campus is we are quite well situated within the transit network and within the active transportation network um, compared to many organizations. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of great service and 
Um, I think that's certainly supported a lot of the campus growth and, and our campus master plan, um, you know, really emphasizes the need for that sustainable transportation. We've, we've got a pedestrian focused campus. So to, to Kevin's earlier comment, uh, you can't actually drive your car through the campus. It's It's been uh, within Ring Road, but all of the parking is kind of, most of the parking is along the perimeter and it's a very uh, pedestrian friendly interior of the campus for that exact reason is it, it's the experience that comes along with that. Yeah, out of the four years that I've been at the university, I've driven to campus maybe once. <laughs> it's just very, like you said, very pedestrian friendly. I'm always riding my bike. I'm always walking or taking public transit. Yeah, Jenna I, I, and Matt, I think I, I wouldn't be allowed to get off this podcast if I didn't speak about the change that transit has gone through in the uh, in in the last few years in particular. So, uh in case anybody new to the, to the region or anybody who somehow missed the news, we launched Light Rail Transit in 2019. Um, but what came along with transit with the launch of our Light Rail line, which um, just to kind of recap, we have 19 stations. We have one right on, on campus uh, for the University of Waterloo station. It starts in North Waterloo up by Conestoga Mall and then heads right into uh, the, the, the south, side, south end of Kitchener at, at Fairway Station and then connects to our, um, our express uh, uh, service, our ION bus service, which connects down to downtown Galt in Cambridge, uh, which will eventually be replaced by our stage two of light rail transit line. Um, but light rail is only one piece of that bigger uh, puzzle that we had to solve. So with the launch of light rail came uh, a complete reorganization of our transit network. And some of those listeners on the call today may have been working at the, at the school or, or studying at the school for quite some time. And, uh, you know, we're all creatures of habit. When you start your first day, you look at what's available to you and then you, you make those decisions at that point. And uh, it is worth uh, knowing that you have resources at the campus through uh, through TravelWise and through the Sustainability Office that can help you may, be made aware of what's changed with that network and how we've made it easier to get to and from campus, uh, how we've made it easier to get to and from other parts of the community. So that bus network redesign we did for the ION launch was almost more significant for us than the actual launch of Light Rail because it involved transforming all of our routes. Uh, you know, we we were looking at more than 30 routes changing. Over 800 bus stops were affected. You know, we were running around helping customers for 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 quite some time, not be, just to kind of make people aware on where now they could get to. Uh, the actual transformation went quite seamlessly. But I think that's the biggest piece we're still trying to communicate to the community is that GRT is new. If, you know, we we've changed with the launch of light rail and and where. Uh, where you can go now is definitely different than, than where you could go uh, prior to the launch of ION. And it's definitely, uh, you know, some of our key pieces are those seamless connections to the light rail, but also more uh, more uh, convenient and faster uh, and direct routes uh, through our community. So I'd encourage people to check out the GRT website or even just try to plan your trip on Google Maps too. We, um, we've got all of our information, our live information in there, and you can see how it can, can meet your needs. Yeah, and I will be providing all of the resources uh, for anybody who's interested in learning about this in our show notes. I can definitely attest that students should check out what is available to them, uh, because even when the ION launched in 2019, I used to take the 7D bus from Environment 3 to, uh, to like King and Columbia area, and that used to take me right home. 
but it took a bit of adjusting to figure out what was the best route after that. So super important to check out what the routes are now and what's available to you. I can only imagine though, as that transition was happening, it must've been, there must've definitely been some challenges and even more broadly for other regions and other communities that are trying to promote more sustainable transportation options in their community. Some are just not as progressive, I would say, as the region of Waterloo. They don't have as many options and services available. So maybe this could even help other regions or community members. What have some of the sort of incentives or tools to encourage more sustainable transit usage in Waterloo that both of you have found successful both in the region and for the university campus as well? I could start it, and then if Matt wants to, to jump in here, you know, I, I've had the opportunity uh, to work with TravelWise for, for several years now. And, and one of our, our biggest um, incentives or one of the, the biggest uh, driving factors for workplaces to participate in the program is our Corporate Transit Pass program. So um, our, corporate, uh, our Corporate Pass, our GRT Corporate Pass that we offer to TravelWise uh, workplaces is available to any employee at for example, at the University of Waterloo, uh, they can get our corporate pass fare card, uh, which saves them uh, 15% per month on uh, the cost of an adult pass. So uh, you, you, you have cost savings, uh, but you also have flexibility. So the program is set up now that uh, you can purchase, a you can get your corporate pass, uh, load a pass for the month you need it. You can also load it every month if you want. You can set it up for auto reload, but you can use it for just those months you need it. So if you want to use it for the winter time and the bike in the summer, that's perfectly fine. Uh, so it's basically, you know, uh, it's a, a bi-month uh, or it's, it's a monthly pass program. Uh, so there's no long-term commitment necessary uh, to participate in that. And that's uh, that's actually changed. Uh, we, we brought in that flexibility a lot due to the demand and interest in trying to modernize that program to, for the realities of people uh, have are taking various modes to and from their workplaces and want to you know have transit when they need it, but then also be able to walk or cycle as well too. So we didn't want to discourage the use of those other sustainable transportation options, but more to supplement them. So that's how we we've reframed the program, and it's it's worked quite well for us. The other big one I'll touch on, and and then I'll give Matt a chance to, to speak here, is I've also recently uh, become more involved with our our UPass programs. Uh, so the UPass program is for the student groups uh, at, at the universities. At, at University of Waterloo, we have that agreement with uh, with the undergraduate group, so uh, the, the feds. We also have it with the, those uh, students that fall under the Graduate Students Association, and then as well as with one of your university colleges with Renison. Uh, so those three programs allow for unlimited travel uh, using your, your walk card, uh, and you can uh, use that for, for bus or the train. Uh, any term that you're at at this at the school, well, actually all year, I should say, for clarity. Um, but uh, yeah, you have access to that. Uh, there were some suspensions for most of those programs during the last year due to the pandemic, uh, but we're currently working with the student associations to bring those back online for the fall, we hope. So stay tuned, but uh, that is definitely, speaking of somebody who was actually up the road at Laurier too when the UPass program came in, I'm sorry, I know I shouldn't probably mentioned that on this call, but, uh, you know, Matt and I can both attest to uh, having that UPASS program and just how that, you know, it was almost like having angel wings in a community if you didn't have a car. You could go anywhere you needed to. And uh, I definitely made 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 quite a well use of that program, and I would encourage others to use it too, not only to get to and from campus, but to really 
get a sense of what the community has to offer. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, Jenna, it's, it's interesting because in, in all the time that I've been working on sustainable transportation, I'm convinced there really is no, there's no silver tool, silver bullet tool that really, you know, immediately changes the way that people move around. I think uh, all of all of our choices in this regard are shaped by the multitude of services and uh, infrastructure and uh what's available around us and it's uh you know when you talk to employees and, and this is beyond the university from my days and travel wise too if there's a if there's an inconvenience which is often the flip side of what we were talking about earlier if it takes a little bit longer or if it's not as direct of a connection or what have you um even when there's health and money and environmental benefits to doing something uh, that can be such a big driver. And so when we look at a lot of the behavioral change frameworks, it's it's all about how do we make things um, as easy as possible for people to do the, the behavior that we want to see. And, you know, these can be a range of behaviors like walking, cycling, taking transit. And how do we uh, make some of the other behaviors that we might not want to see a little more difficult? Um, and this could be anything from you know, taking some road space and allocating that for transit or for uh, active transportation modes of, tr of travel. Um, it, it really is a, a, about making the, the thing you want in your community the easiest option. And, you know, that's where you start actually getting significant shift. And so when we look at those big, um, I think, audacious plans and, you know, whether it's the, the regional transportation master plan or any of the kind of subsidiary plans and um, the same at the municipal level um, with our, our cities, uh, it's really about trying to build that supportive environment where those where those decisions become easy. Uh, I think incentives are certainly part of that. Um, if it's, you know, way more expensive to ride the bus, uh, then of course, it's a it's a more difficult sell. But I think one thing that we really want to drive home on that point is how expensive driving is. And and so often those costs are not uh, hidden, but certainly dispersed and bundled. And, you know, you pay for your bus pass and there's a very discrete cost that you're absorbing there. But when you add in your your ownership costs, your insurance, your gas, all of your you know maintenance and repairs and everything on your vehicle, um, it's, it's probably one of the largest, uh, except for your mortgage or, or rent expenses in a, in a family budget. So yes, definitely driving home the, the cost equation, but I, I truly think it's the build it and they will come approach that we, we need the uh, both municipal and that organizations uh, support to have this uh, really take off. And I think, I think we're starting to see that now, uh, especially over the last decade scale to the to the level that we needed to and um i, I just love looking at uh, when we talk through our uh climate action plan or uh, any of the big stuff that we need to see on the on the emission side or the sustainability side half of our local emissions come from transportation um and if we're really going to push that we've we've got to start seeing um a really big transition in the way that we get around. I think the one other thing that I'll draw on from from that perspective too, and it doesn't meet all of the, it doesn't have all of the benefits I would say of, of walking, cycling and transit is electrification of our vehicles. And I think that's going to be a, a really significant part of um, 
how we how we will move around the region 20 years from now. Um, hopefully far fewer internal combustion engine vehicles and a lot more electric ones. But I think that needs to be put in the kind of pyramid or a hierarchy of what's the most beneficial from a community perspective. And so at the end of the day, an electric vehicle it doesn't have the emissions, but it's still a vehicle on the road, still taking up space uh, and still potentially causing traffic and other things like that. So, um, but but does solve some of that where there's, you know, parts of the community where it's really difficult to run efficient and reliable transit service in a, in a way that everybody's going to be connected to. I think EVs will certainly play a role for, for those parts of the community as well. Yeah, definitely. You both touched on great points. I think as someone, like I mentioned, who's originally from outside the region and at that I'm from a region where we did not, at least while I was living there when I was younger, did not have that many sustainable transportation options that were available to students or really anyone in the community. Coming here was amazing. The fact that I could just hop on a bus with my my student card and go just about anywhere. And yeah, cars are expensive. And because my original region wasn't that active transit or sustainably transit uh, forward, I did have to buy a car and it's so much money. And I wish that more regions were like ours, where it is so accessible and it, it's just getting better every year, it seems. We've talked a lot about what is going on at the university and in the region to promote sustainable transportation and what both of you and your organizations are doing to do this. But I want to flip it over and ask you, what do you think the individuals, the community needs to do now to support your organization's goals, almost like calls to action? If you could say something to our community right now, what would it be? I'll, I'll maybe take a first first stab at this one. I think uh, one of the biggest barriers is uh, the, the fear of trying something new. Um, it's just, it, it can be a mental hurdle to jump over, you know, to get on your bike and, and go for a ride through the community or to, to take the bus. I mean, we've got lots of people in our community who have never ridden transit before. So, of course, the idea of pivoting to something different, uh, there's a maybe not a fear factor to it, but certainly a, a level of, of change that needs to be thought through. And so I would encourage, uh, you know, where it's feasible to, to try something, to, to try biking. If it's one day um, or try, try taking the bus once, uh, you might be surprised on, on how easy it is. I remember when I worked at Travelwise, um, I won't I won't name the employer who did this, but they had two different offices, one in, in uh, Waterloo and one in downtown Kitchener. And uh, they usually had a staff meeting where they alternated every other week between those two offices on where that meeting was hosted. Now, of course, everything would be virtual, so it's a different scenario altogether. But instead of everybody driving up to the, the Waterloo office, they, they said, this is crazy. We've got this new uh, iExpress route. This was several years before ION still. So let's just all hop on the bus and go up together instead of everyone taking their car and paying for gas and trying to figure out carpooling. And everybody was just shocked how easy it was to, to you know, pay, I don't know what it was at the time, a few bucks to get on. And, and you know, it was an hour long meeting. So they had the transfer coming back and it was just easy. And I think that experience goes so much further of than someone sitting there telling you how easy it is or, or good it is. Even uh, in the program with TravelWise, when we've done bike month stuff in the past, and, and maybe we'll, we'll do a little plug for some of the stuff that's coming up. But um, 
on the front of a lot of, of all of the transit buses, there's a, a bike rack that, uh, you know, if you want to uh, bike to the bus stop and then take the bus for the rest of your journey, there's a, a bike rack on the front. And of course, nobody wants to do that for the first time in the middle of traffic while there's a whole busload of people waiting for you how to, to figure out how to use the bus rack. So we brought that rack physically out to events and TravelWise has been doing this with employers across the region to say, hey, try it out and figure out how to use the thing and that training or that you know, experience ahead of time. Um, so many people have said that that it was kind of that aha moment where you say, hey, actually, I can do that. And, and the bus stop's too far away for me to walk. But if I can bike for five minutes, then it suddenly becomes feasible. So, yeah, just giving that opportunity to try something and experience it um, is that first kind of leap of faith that I think could get you in the door. And, and the, the other point that I'll say is just get engaged with the people around you, because uh, the region and the city provide lots of opportunity for input and comment on different things that are happening, um, programs, services, and infrastructure-wise. That it's a uh, um, we get the the nimbyism, the not in my backyard, and and you know here's why we shouldn't do these. And I think there needs to be, as long as you're in agreement with it, <laughs> the strong yes voices too can can make a huge difference. Thanks, Matt. I, th I think you touched on some some really key ideas. I'd probably take it one step forward and say. You're likely listening to this while a pandemic is is still ongoing in our community, or hopefully uh, we're rounding a corner and you're starting to consider how that commute back to your office might look like. Um, I think I mentioned earlier on on the on the on the podcast here today that we are creatures of habit. You know, if if you 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 look at options pretty much that first day you you start at a job or you you're, you move into a new house. And uh, and then that's kind of the decision-making day. And then you, you don't really think about it again. But I really want to stress that uh, the regions, cities, and, and your workplace are making continuous investments in infrastructure and programs to make it easier to choose sustainable transportation as your easy choice. So take advantage of, of your points of contact at, at, uh, at contact us at TravelWise contact uh, the sustainability office at Waterloo, you contact the, the, your, your student associations too. Uh, we try to make all of this information updated as, as often as possible. But the biggest thing is we're all about to have another decision-making point in our in our lives. Uh, we could either choose to just hop in and, and do that same uh, way we got to and from work before, or I'd encourage you to take just a couple of minutes and uh, take a look at some resources where uh, of how you can maybe do that differently. So quickly Google where you live and uh, where you're going and click uh, uh, the uh, the transit option there. This isn't an endorsement for Google. Please feel free to use whatever other trip planning tool you want. But our our uh, all of our route and, and real-time transit information is, is located in most online trip planning apps. So please take a look. Try to make that trip and you can see how, how convenient and easy it can be for you. I'd also recommend you check out the region of Waterloo's bike page. Uh, we've just recently updated our our, our bike map uh, for the community. Uh, it is focused on on showing the network, but uh, if you take the extra step to just kind of peek, take a peek at where your your particular workplace is, uh, you can see what what's available to make that trip a reality for you too. We're all going to have that choice to make again, and 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 now is a great time to try to look at at how that could maybe be done a little bit more convenient, easier, or healthier for you too. Uh, I think we all are looking forward to moving our legs a little bit more or, or just seeing something other than our own four walls and our own homes. So uh, totally. <laughs> I encourage you to take a peek at that.
I miss my bike ride actually. It's yeah. it's been uh it, it's it's I have beautiful trails that I can take for the majority of the way and it's it's uh something that's definitely uh, I mean my commute is shorter now for sure, but it's uh it's certainly not as nice. Definitely agree here. It's nice to walk every morning, but to not walk anywhere with a purpose, it feels it's less motivating. So, and you actually answered a little bit of my next question, Kevin, and it was just what resources would you like to plug now for anybody in our community? And Matt, you can answer this too from the university's perspective. So what resources are available that would really encourage people in our community to use sustainable transportation options and become more aware of what's out there for them? Yeah, I, I think those big ones uh, I, I touched on. Uh, so the the region of Waterloo.ca uh, slash TravelWise uh, has general program information, but I believe specific for the university. Uh, Matt can give some some more specific info for the employers there. For any students listening, probably the best resource would be the Fed's webpage or, or the, the Graduate Students Association for more for the up to date information on your UPASS program. Of course, you can we'll have that posted on the GRT page as well for our transit information. GRT, when it comes to planning your transit route, you can use our site, of course, too. We have that information live on our website, but uh, you don't have to go much further than your, your current trip planning tool too to find that information as well, too. So those are kind of the big ones on my end, the bike map I mentioned too, and I'll, I'll make sure that that link gets to you as well. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Kevin. And, and on the um, on the university side, if you go to uwaterloo.ca slash sustainability slash transportation, uh, we've got a list of all of the different programs and resources, including the travel Y services that are available on campus. And, um, you know, we have other things like secure bike parking, um, there's a, a program through police services where you can register your bike. So if it ever got stolen, they've got a, a record that they can look for in case it turns up and other tips on how to you know, do se- secure parking as much as possible. So um, do check out that that pro- uh, that page because it has all of the, the university specific programs um, and I think links to some of the other um, city or, or regional uh, transportation pages that Kevin mentioned too. Great. Thank you both so much. I'll make sure to provide all of those things in our show notes. And thank you so much to both of you for coming on the podcast and sharing your perspectives. I really hope it benefits not just the University of Waterloo community, but the broader community and inspires them to take more sustainable transportation options, especially when summer is just around the corner. This episode will be coming out in mid-June, so right before summer starts. It's a great time to get to know Uh, your active transportation options as well as your sustainable public transit options thanks jenna that's uh it's been fun chatting uh kevin really appreciate you taking the time to to join us as well and uh, as always great to hear so much uh awesome stuff happening across the region and and continuing to build up that uh, i mentioned build it and they will come and i think the region is certainly working towards that no problem it was wonderful to chat today and i i do appreciate uh the opportunity to to chat with uh, with your listeners, and you can feel free to share contact information or whatever uh, through our Travelwise program. And and uh, myself and and uh, our colleague Katie, who's not on the call today, we both monitor that inbox and and we'll be happy to respond to any questions that listeners may have. So thank you. That is all for our conversation today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with myself, Kevin, and Matt. All of the resources that we mentioned in the episode are shared in the show notes below, and I encourage you to explore the different transportation options that are available to you in Waterloo, and if you're not living in Waterloo right now, explore what options are available in your own community. 
Transportation, as we mentioned, is a key part of promoting sustainability in the broader context. Everybody should do what they can to promote sustainability through their transportation choices. Thank you for tuning in to the episode this week. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, do so now and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at UW Sustainable. And if you have any questions or ideas for the podcast, email us at sustainability at uwaterloo.ca. Also, special thanks to Bennett Gallant for providing us with our awesome jingle music. That's what's up, Waterloo. I hope you all have a great day and we will see you in the next episode. <laughs>